eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Always aggravated. A Mike Valenti signature podcast. Nothing, for those of you that know our show, nothing pisses me off more than lousy franchises. Like, I can't, I can't stand them. I hate futility. I hate stupid people who are rich. So I, I came up with this idea of a series. Just like we did the mailbag. We did volume one, volume two. I'm going to come up with a series. And I'm going to chronicle what I deem to be the worst franchises in sports. Now, remember, things can change. They can change in a hurry. But right here, right now, as we start out 2019, I am just going off of where they are now and where they've been. And I have four categories I would like to lay out for you guys. And, and, and some of them aren't so eloquent, but let's just get into it. Um, the four pillars of futility is what I have called them. One, the owner shithead index. Is your owner a shithead? Uh, does he embarrass your team? Does he embarrass himself? Does he make reprehensible decisions on and off the field of play? Uh, so it's the owner shithead index, the OSI. On-field futility. All right, so we got to just talk about the games. Uh, off-field embarrassment quotient. What does your team do off the field mm. that embarrasses them maybe as much or more than the shit they do on the field? And then the last category, and some franchises, despite futility, have good fans, some don't. It, it, it's, are your fans assholes? Really, that's what it boils down to. Some people root for bad teams but defend bad team. That makes you an asshole. So it's the four pillars of futility. So today is volume one. Of this series, and I thought it only appropriate. They've been in the news. They are one of my worst franchises in sports. I would like to offer you volume one, the New York Knicks. That's right. The Knicks have managed to do something that is unthinkable. They have rendered playing in New York City, the greatest city in the world. They have rendered playing in New York and playing at the Mecca. Think about an arena that is referred to as the Mecca, the center of the basketball universe, MSG, Madison Square Garden. They have rendered those two things useless to where when they've had cap space, nobody would take it. They have managed to take the two biggest advantages any team has. Like, hey, Miami's got, you can come to South Beach, Collins Avenue, but no one's saying, damn, I want to play for American Airlines Arena. 
Okay. Hey, the Lakers come to La La Land. You know, you can you can work for Magic Johnson, but no one's saying, "Oh yeah, bro, I want to play at Staples, the storied history." New York and MSG, and the Knicks have totally screwed that up. So let's get into the the four pillars of futility, and let's start with my favorite one, the ownership head index. That's right, James Dolan. Now I have often said. I think James Dolan is one of the five or six worst owners in all of sports. And you know what you're going to see. You'll have people come out and say, well, he wants to win badly. He's loyal. He spends money, but he just doesn't know how. No, 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 no. That's not how this is going to work on our series. James Dolan on a shithead index rates really high. Want me to help you? Okay. Let's get into some of the James Dolan highlights. You guys ready? Yeah. All right. Well, for one... He's a spoiled brat and a rich kid because his father, Chuck, started Cablevision. Now, he's done a good job with the business, but he was born on third base, so I have no respect for it. Uh, Two, he fronts an embarrassing blues band called J.D. and the Straight Shots. There's also a video, if you haven't seen it, oh, it's unbelievable, of him on stage playing a kazoo in front of a horrified Amare Stoudemire. It's a YouTube classic. I encourage it. Automatically, you'd end up there if, for that video. Can I read you something really quick? Yes, the please. JD and the Straight Shot Wikipedia that because of his corporate status, you know, running uh, Madison Square Garden Company and his business relationship with uh, entertainment executive Irving Azoff, Dolan has been able to leverage his ban onto shows by the Eagles, Allman Brothers, ZZ Top, <laughs> the Dixie Chicks, and many more. And yet, his album sell... Like in that movie, This Is 40, when he's running the, the record label, <laughs> Paul Rudd's running a record label, and he sold like 500 copies. That yeah. JD and the Straight Shot sells like 500 copies. He's, it says, uh, Attend- attendance by Madison Square Garden staff employees is expected and noted when the band plays at New York clubs. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> that is, see, see, that is insulting. I know people in the music industry that have to work themselves up to get right. on that type of billing. And he's oh, sitting no. here because he is who he is. But it never works. Put no me on the Eagles. Able to do that. No. Ugh. Now, James Dolan, his go-to insult is to call the person criticizing him a drunk. Oh, that's right. Nice from a guy who had his own substance abuse issues. But whatever. Uh, so, like, here's an example. He had a season ticket. It was 2015. A 72-year-old season ticket holder wrote him an email criticizing the handling of the team. He used it on him and basically told him, you're drunk, go to bed. Uh, It's just awful. Uh, You have the Charles Oakley situation. You throw out a legend. Now, look, Charles Oakley, I'm not telling you he's the greatest basketball ever. I'll tell you he's one of the people I'm most afraid of in this life, both (laughs) as a player and as just a human being. He throws Oak out of the garden, Mm -hmm. claims he did nothing wrong. You had the sexual harassment disaster under Isaiah Thomas where Dolan – Dolan didn't apologize. Dolan didn't come out and say, hey, we need to fix this stuff. He basically said that the woman, uh, Brown, her last, what was it, Brown Sanders? Brown Sanders, yeah. She, she created it all. Mm-hmm. She's a lot, you know, it was unbelievable. She, you know, and then he ends up settling for $11 million. To this day, he won't apologize. To this day, he just says, ah, you know, we got to handle it differently. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we should have defended ourselves differently. This guy is absolutely the worst. The worst. James Dolan, to me, bar none, one of the worst owners. If there's a shithead index for owners, and it's a scale of 1 to 10, I'm putting Dolan at 10, I will offer you... No, I'm serious. I will offer you the ability to talk me down off of 10. He's awful. Under his stewardship the last 20 years. 20 years! 
I think the Knicks have one series win in 17. They've completely toxic. It's just toxicity everywhere. I, Dolan, to me, is where bad ownership begins. So talk me down off 10. Go. I'm not going to talk you down. I was going to talk you up to 13. <laughs> because the guy, not, not only did he, with the sexual harassment situation, Isaiah Thomas was involved with that one. Um, he also then rehired Isaiah Thomas, I believe, in 2015. Was it to run the Liberty or whatever? To run the Liberty, and he did that because he wanted to bring publicity to the franchise that was struggling at the time. Right, so hire a guy who helped cost you $11 million in a settlement. This is the WNBA. It's a sexual harassment claim that he was involved with. You cannot hire, rehire this guy. All right, so I'm putting Dolan at a 10. Sully? Yeah, what's crazy to me is that you hear about the Charles Oakley stuff, you hear about kind of the the public issues he has, but when you actually dive into the numbers just of how bad the organization's been from a win-loss perspective, from a hiring-signing perspective, it gets even even worse, you could argue. Ten? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to throw tens around lightly here. No, he'd be the he'd be the one to use as an example. If you're <laughs> like, I think when you look up shithead owner index and you go into the dictionary, not that that would ever be in there, you'd see a picture of Dolan. Mm-hmm. You'd see a picture of Dolan throwing Charles Oakley out of an arena. Yeah. All right, so that's a ten. The next pillar of futility is the on-field slash court slash ice futility. The New York Knicks have been a an entity for seventy-two years. They have two championships. Two. Now, even worse, okay, even worse, they have an under 500 record in their existence, a 487 winning percentage. Wow. You are in New York. That is basketball. That is one of the centerpieces of basketball on this planet. You are the Knicks. You are in New York. You play at Madison Square Garden. Mm Mm-hmm. Under 500. In a league dominated by major markets, outside of the Spurs, dominated by major markets, under 500. I almost think this team's position in the city they play, in the arena they possess, to be under 500 is even more offensive. Now, they have won titles. They have, I think, 40, 41 or 42 playoff appearances in 72 years. But the problem, major, how, how, how about this? In the NBA, making the playoffs doesn't really matter to me. Right. It's are you a threat once you get there. The Knicks in their lifetime, if we look at the early 70s, mm-hmm. okay, you had, a, a let's say, a four- to five-year block there. The next time they were good was the 10 minutes where Bernard King's knees were held together mm-hmm. before he got hurt, early, you know, mid-80s, right? They cratered out in between. Mm-hmm. Then the 90s happened. Now, the 90s... <laughs> Well, it's it's a lot like what goes on here in Detroit. People build up the 04 Pistons. Now, the Pistons got it done, the Knicks didn't. Yes. Knicks had to run into Jordan, Pistons didn't. The point is, the Pistons team in 04 embodied the city. Toughness, grit and grind. You know, th- this is who we are. This is these are the bad boys. The Knicks teams in the 90s, it was not much different. I mm-hmm. mean, they played a very physical, nasty style and they repped the city. You know, I mean, look, any big city like New York or or Chicago or Detroit, you know, the cold weather, tough minded cities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, people identified with it. But how good were those Nick teams? Well, they never got it done. It took Jordan getting out of the way for them to get to the finals. They managed to choke that away, even though nobody really saw game six, I believe, because OJ was driving down in his Bronco. But they didn't get it done. Now, after that, how many Nick teams have been good? I mean, the 99 team in the lockout season, 
goes to the finals and loses. After that, I think they had one good year in 06. They've had 20 years of nothing. Nothing. And they've embarrassed themselves on and off the floor. Now, here's my thing. You can't say a team that has 42 playoff appearances in 72 years is a 10. Not fair. (laughs) Okay? So knock them down to a 9 or an 8. They also have two championships, which, let's face it, they have done it. So you got to knock them down a peg or two. I was going to settle in for the on-court futility because of New York and because of Madison Square Square Garden. I was going to put them at a 7. 10 is the worst, you're saying? Yes. Right. So I would even maybe go to an 8 just because, as we talked about New York is is the mecca. the the mecca, the king of basketball in this country. The fact that they only have two titles is a little. I, I think it's more than just a little underwhelming. And they've only played for the championship a handful of times in seventy two years. And frankly, Mike, the nineties teams they didn't get yeah. to the finals. When they did, they choked it away. Dude, Pat Riley team, right? Yeah. So to me, when is the last time the Knicks were consistently a title contender? Mike, it's been 45 well, that's, years. That's why recency bias, I, I have some of that as well, because the past, as we mentioned, 17 years, one playoff series win, that that does factor into it. Where, where, you in know, a day and age where players lately? should want to play in New York, we saw LeBron take his talents to South Beach. Yep. We see AD trying to go to L.A. Yep. We see Durant go to San Francisco slash Oakland. All right, David, what if I offered you 7.5? Can't do it. Can't do it because there's only a handful of teams that have ever won a championship in the NBA, and they are one of them. Mm -hmm. Back down to seven. I have to go five. Whoa! Because of the championships. I'm sorry. But hold on. The championships are almost 50 years ago. I understand that. It's not even relevant. There's not too many other teams that have championships in the league. We all know this. It's in Boston, L.A., Detroit. Portland, you know, those what, San Seattle Antonio. got one, yeah. Washington got but, one. And they have two. The NBA is the heaviest free agent league now in sports. Now it is. It didn't used to be. It's, it's the heaviest free agent league in sports. There's no reason why they shouldn't have been able to acquire more talent right. than their Manhattan. Sully wants an eight. You want a five. five. That would put us at a six and a half. <laughs> My initial was seven. Do you want to go six and a half on this? I still think seven's more appropriate. I think five is you're letting them way off the hook for what they did. Championships. But it would, I mean, come on, is Red Holtzman walking through see, that door? See, but here's the thing Portland only has one, but because New York has two, I have to value having two. I really do. So I'm putting them at a five. I'm sorry. I'm just, so six and a half, yes, yeah, sure. My official score, I mean, Mike, where would you be at a six and a half? I mean, we can agree to disagree on it. I think David's being way too generous. Uh, yeah, I, I think you're a little too harsh. David's a little too generous. I would be, I would stick to a seven. But in light of David's commentary about valuing championships and knowing this is a series we're going to be doing, there will be plenty of teams who haven't won, or if they've had, it's it's been in disgraceful scenarios. Uh, it's even worse. They've been around since what 1937 or however long it's been, and only won two. It's even, it should even be more telling. Than a team that was that's been around for thirty years and, and hasn't won. All one. right, take it easy. I'm gonna go. I'll go with the seven. Let's go off court embarrassment quotient. All right, for one, things like the Oakley situation. Off court embarrassment, the sexual harassment disgrace. Mm-hmm. Off court embarrassment, uh, your owner threatening to fire a security guard and saying the "Do you know who I am?" line, which mm-hmm. is how Roberto approaches a lot of East Side restaurants. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think the off-court embarrassment for the Knicks is something that is definitely the last 20 years, which is the mm-hmm. Dolan stewardship. I don't remember a lot of on-court embarrassment. Excuse me, the on-court embarrassment was one thing, but off-court, 
No, I don't remember a lot of that. I mean, Bernard King blowing his knee out, that's not off-court embarrassment. Right. I think the last 20 years, the Knicks have been a parody. I mean, Steph Marbury trade, Phil Jackson falling asleep on the bus. Car- How about this? Off-court embarrassment. They trade for Carmelo, even though they know Carmelo's coming that summer. <laughs> right. I mean, the things they have managed to do. Like Phil Jackson drafting Frank Nilakina on his way out the door. Well, why would you allow him to draft mm-hmm. Nilakina? That's off-court stuff. Mm-hmm. I think the Knicks are a solid seven of off-court embarrassment. I can agree with that. Is that, is that a standard? That Mike? I mean, I know other franchises that will be a part of our series that are higher than this. Yes. So I'm trying to That's find why. the Knicks a home. The Knicks are worse than some in off-field embarrassment, better than others. That's why I would go. I would. I would go a little less than you. I would six say and maybe, a half? maybe five or six. Just, can't and, can't but, go five. But it's mm. and, I, and I say that simply because right or wrong, I think we've seen worse in terms of embarrassing things. I think we've seen Donald Sterling. We've seen Game a, food a, and clothes <laughs> and cars. We've seen a ridiculous Dan Gilbert Big letter. Magic Johnson. <laughs> that letter is embarrassing. You're right. We, we, a ridiculous Dan Gilbert letter. We've seen worse. That's why I, I would just, because of that. In why do you have to throw more. it in my face? <laughs> <laughs> what a disgusting human being. Um, okay, so... Six? Yeah, I I think that's more fair. David, keep Uh, in mind, we do have a lot of organizations to cover. All right, I'll settle at a six. I think it should be a seven, but I'll settle at a six. We'll go six because it's only 20 of their 50 years that have been complete off-court embarrassment. All right. Now, the last one, and this is tough. Are your fans assholes? (laughs) And I really don't know how to answer this because there's part of me that sympathizes with Nick Fan. I think Nick fans are incredibly intelligent. I think Nick fans are incredibly passionate. I think Nick fans love the game. But here's the problem. At what point do you stop filling MSG? At what point do you stop supporting this team? And the other thing, look, at what point do you understand where you are in the basketball universe? You know, like, what is what is your team, really? Like, where are you? Mm-hmm. You know, How much of your fan base sees the franchise for what they really are? This is where Nick Fan, I think, will struggle, is I don't think any great portion of them recognize that they are truly one of the worst franchises in sports. Not just the NBA, Mm -hmm. not just the last two years. The Knicks, in totality, over a 72-year history with the geographical advantages they possess. The Knicks are one of the worst franchises in sports. This is where all of the Knicks fans... Uh, intelligence and understanding of the game and care factor is then that equity is spent because I think there's still a level of delusion that they believe every free agent should go there. And it's like, well, yes, if you didn't ruin that advantage. Right. I would look, I don't hate Nick fan. I wish, I wish they'd stop attending games. I I really wish they would stop filling that place. Uh, But in the end, what does that really matter? I I would put the a-hole quotient for me, at a four and a half. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't think their fans are obnoxious. I think they're angry. I think they care. I think they're knowledgeable. See, I think a lot of fans are not knowledgeable. Nick fans know the game. Nick fans know basketball. I respect that. Mm. I would say four and a half is the highest I would go on this level. Only yeah. because I think there's still a level of delusion. Some still think, you know, it matters that Clyde Frazier played there. 
And also that, well, we're New York, we should get everybody. No, you've you've lost that because your franchise is so shitty. Mm-hmm. I'd say four and a half. Okay. I, I can't, because I'm thinking of one incident alone, but I cannot make, a, make them a seven because of this one incident. What is it? But Spike Lee and Reggie Miller, alone to me when it comes to the fans, he created as a well, fan. Well, that's just the as a face fan, of the fans, I guess. But as a fan, he created that incident. He created that comeback, that Reggie Miller comeback, not Pacers comeback, that Reggie Miller comeback. But to be fair, it is just one incident. Here's so the I'll other go thing. Five. Let me let me frame it like this: To what level? To what level are the fans victims? In all of this. I, that's why I would go less. Okay, where half. do you want to be? I would put him at a three, maybe. I, and, and the reason is I sympathize, because you... It's a team that's been so bad, yet the franchise's value has only soared up. I mean, they're one of the most valuable franchises in sports. And if you're an actual Knicks fan, you can't even go to these games. So it's all corporate money. MSG is all uh, you know, Wall Street money or corporate. You can't even get into these games with with how much it costs. So, I, I mean, hey, I sympathize with the fans. The fact they've been so mm. bad, yet... Financially, everything's great for the team. See, Sully's opening my eyes to something because for too long I felt Spike Lee was like the devil of fans. Like I hated him. Mm-hmm. I hated just looking at him and and him yelling like, "God, sit down, make a good movie." I've had enough. <laughs> but maybe Sully's right in all of this. That look, there are Knicks fans who all they've wanted is a Knicks championship, and fifty years has gone by. You know how many people have died? Yeah. And the embarrassment. I, you know what? Mike has got me off the talking point. Go ahead, Roberto. Well, sounds like another team. It's been 50 Oh, don't, years. Oh, don't yeah. worry. For the people who don't reside in Detroit, yeah. don't worry. The Detroit Lions that's will be on this list. Dumb. But that's the thing. Though. You say, well, you said earlier, Mike, at what point do they stop filling Madison Square Garden? It doesn't matter. It doesn't. If, if they choose not to go, they're going to sell that with corporate seats. And again, mm. the franchise's value is only going to continue to go up because of the Knicks. All right, so here's what we'll do. Mm. Feel bad. Those people still filling that place are culpable. Yes. People that are delusional are still culpable. Yes. And I have to admit it, even though I grew up upstate, I am a New Yorker, I, I'm, I can be a little brutish, I can be a little bit forward. That portion of the a-hole quotient is noted, uh, especially that New Yorkers and Midwesterners don't get along. <laughs> David, I, I am going to, I'm going to meet everyone at a level that I think is acceptable. We're going to put them at a 3.5. I can't view Spike Lee as all their fans. If it were Spike and Lee, and that's why I said to be fair, be I cannot. Yeah. So okay, all right. All right so the owner shithead <laughs> index is a ten for the Knicks. James Dolan, one of the worst in all sports. On field, uh, court, on ice, embarrassment. I have him at a seven under five hundred lifetime. Only two championships in seventy two years. It's been a long time since they've been relevant. The off field embarrassment quotient, we put him at a solid six. Uh, and the the fan asshole index, uh, I put a three and a half. I think they are victims here because they are passionate, they are knowledgeable, but they are also helpless. But there's enough of them that are delusional and still think, but it's New York, we should get everybody. I'll put it at a three and a half. Your total futility score in our initial part one, the debut of the worst franchises in sports, the New York Knicks. Come in at a total score of a 26.5. Hey, you want to get away? Yes, right now I do. Relax, have a good time, get to the D, Las Vegas. Everything you need, the D, renovated. Enjoy all the delights of Vegas, except the big bill on your room. And again, it's winter time here in Detroit. It's winter in most places. Get the hell out and get moving. And the D has it all. The long bar. 
their new sports book, brand new. Circa Sports open at Golden Gate right down the street, their sister property, and everything in between. So check it out. It's the D.com to book your stay today. It's the D.com, the D Las Vegas. It is your home for sports in Vegas. So it's volume two of the worst franchises in sports. If you missed uh, volume one, you can find that on the pod, obviously. It was the New York Knicks. They had a composite shit score of 26.5. There are the four pillars of futility. And you may ask, well, geez, why are there only four? Well, it's my rules. That's why. Uh, but basically, David, do we have the four pillars for the people? One is, uh, you know, your owner shithead index. Every bad franchise, almost exclusively as a bad owner. Okay, so that's that's one. And that plays a huge role. Uh, the second category is simple. It's on field suckitude. How many games do you lose? How futile are you? Uh, number three, it would be the off field embarrassment. Not losing, but other shit that you do that brings embarrassment upon you and your municipality. And then number four, are your fans assholes? It, it's really that simple. So the Knicks were chronicled in part one. Today, we are going to get one of the strangest teams on my list. And David, you were kind enough to put a lot of this research together. Uh, Roberto, I want you aware the Marlins are a baseball team. So it might help in some of your uh, pithy remarks. I but... love the Florida Marlins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oddly enough, Marlin fans have as much baseball knowledge as you do. But let me give you the brief team history. Now, here's where the Marlins are very unique. They have only been in existence 26 years. Yes. Remember, the Knicks were 72 last week. 26 years. They have a winning percentage under 500 at uh, 467. Only two playoff appearances in 26 years. You go, wow, that's pretty shitty. The problem? They won the World Series <laughs> both times they made it. I'll be damned. They are so unique because here's what they've done. They made the playoffs twice, won the World Series twice, and then had two of the most shameful fire sales. It was like Roberto at a vinyl store. Mm -hmm. They were just selling it all. Oh, Casey and the Sunshine Band? Yeah, I'll give you $3 for that. <laughs> it's. I'm going to take you through this, but this is one of these track records. It's so hard to do because they don't win. They are shitty, but yet they got two titles. That's mm -hmm. better than 75% of baseball teams. More on the on-field stuff in a moment, but that's the background. Now, ownership. I'm doing something retroactively, David. I have to chronicle Jeffrey Loria because he is such a big part of their history. Okay. Then Jeets decides to buy the team, and he might be just as bad he as Loria. He might be. But for the historians, now Roberto may appreciate this, but Jeffrey Loria has been coined baseball's most hated man. Okay, <sighs> that right there probably lands you on the owner shithead index. It's a strong opening statement. But Loria bought the Expos, and it was his design to take them out of Montreal. Yes. He had this whole deal. He wanted the province and the whole— It's always fun, too. Canadian sports and baseball teams, you can't call it a state. It's a province. <laughs> you have, like, a minister of finance. It sounds all so proper. Yeah, it does. But he demanded, you know, oh, I want you to pay for—I think at the time it was Labatt Park. Um, he lost the land to it, the whole thing. But here's the point. When Loria got rid of them, it's one of the most disgraceful things you'll ever see. Mm -hmm. He he had this handshake deal with Bud Selig that he would sell the Expos mm -hmm. to the league 
And he didn't even have a contract signed. He, it was like this agreement where he would sell it to the league. He would then have John Henry, who owned the Marlins at the time, now owns the Red Sox, sell the Marlins to him. And then the league would move the team where they wanted to move it. Here's the best part. Not only did this dirtbag rip the Expos away, and I'll never forgive him for that. I know. I love that team. I loved the logo. The I had an Expos hat. I was the biggest Vladdy Guerrero fan on the planet. Best logo ever. 94, they would have won the World Series if the strike didn't happen. Yes, they would I have. stand by that. Here's my point. Loria, you want to talk about a low-rent scumbag? <laughs> he took everything. Baseballs, underwear, computers, desks, the whole staff. Everything went to Florida. Yep. So people make a big deal about the Baltimore Colts leaving for Indy. Mm. Roberto, he took the fucking computers. He's like, like, he's he like took Gordon He's Gordon Gecko. Yeah. yeah. Why'd you have to wreck that team? Because it's wreckable. Yeah. I mean, it was almost like boiler room when they have the empty warehouse full of the phone banks. Oh. He took everything. So you're dealing with a real bad dude. But here's mm -hmm. the worst part. So he buys him in 02, $158 million, And it has been a fiasco ever since. Now, they go out, they win the World Series. Right? Yep dismantled the team within 18 months. Yes, he did. It was to a point where the only guys left were Dontrell and Cabrera, yep. and they it, fire sailed them. Yep. Hello, Detroit. The point is, embarrassing. It was every bit as embarrassing after what the former owner, Wayne Huizenga, did after the night, what was it, the 98 title. They, yes. they, sold, they essentially sold the whole team for Mike Piazza. Gone. All right, so you got Jeffrey Laurie. Now, Laurie, this is the brutal part. He brokered, and I know Miami-Dade County's a part of it, but you'd like to believe a human being's got a soul. He brokers the most unfair, shameful stadium deal in history where he scare tactics and hoodwinks and just wrecks Miami-Dade County into paying half a billion dollars that they don't have. Mm. Go back and look at the stadium deal. They didn't just cut a deal. They had to go sell bonds on Wall Street. Oh, man. He gets them to put in half a billion. And the best part, by the time Miami-Dade County's done paying for Marlin Stadium, which no one goes to in 2048, oh. the note that'll be due, $2.4 billion. Now, why does this matter to you? Because it's simple. Loria wanted to sell the team earlier, but didn't. Mm -hmm. He waited an extra year. Why would he do that? Because in the agreement when he bought the team is that if he sold it within the first 10 years, he would owe Dade County certain things. Mm. Dade County puts up half a billion dollars. He waits the extra year almost to the damn day. Mm. Sells the team. And you know what he repaid? Nothing. Ooh. Basically through this agreement, all right, the county was entitled to profits if Loria sold them within 10 years, but the lawyers found a loophole, mm -hmm. got Loria off the hook, no revenue sharing. Then Loria could deduct the team's debt, Ugh. certain expenses, and taxes tied to the sale. He did that. Mm -hmm. That was $280 million in debt that lowered the profits from the $1.2 billion sale. Plus, plus, based on getting more valuable each year, he you could add in $300 million in taxes tied to the sale by Loria and Partners. In total, his accountants said that a $1.2 billion sale netted him a loss of 141 mil. He deducted the $30 million fee he paid to the financial advisors hired to negotiate the deal. This is scumbaggery yeah. and unbelievable level. <laughs> Jeter takes over. Yep. What does Jeter immediately do? He goes to the handbook. 
He starts selling guys off. We're cutting the payroll, slashing the payroll. They're, they're selling. The best thing that Jeter did, nobody goes to Marlins Park. Mm-hmm. They had that hideous art structure. He tells Miami-Dade County, <laughs> yeah. like the Art Society, listen, I know legally we're not allowed to move this, but due to us needing to build a standing room only portion of the stadium, we just can't have the home runatron here. <laughs> who the fuck are you kidding? There's no one who goes to Marlin games. Uh-huh. The Marlins ownership, I'm telling you right now, and I'm not handing these out like candy. They are the definition from their inception with Jeffrey Loria from the time he got there to Derek Jeter taking over. This entire ownership history of this team, I am granting them an inarguable, unimpeachable, undebatable, a 10. A gold-plated 10. From 1 to 10 on your owner's a shithead scale. How can you not? They are a 10. I I just don't even think it's debatable, but I will offer it. Now, David, anything there? I don't think that's debatable. I think they're for sure 10, because then when you add in that Jeter then traded Stanton to his former team. Sold him. It really much, they got nothing for him. And then you talk about him taking a credential away from a media member because they ripped him. Apparently, they decided to put the British Virgin Islands as their uh, citizenship, as a team in a lawsuit. And because of that, this reporter rips the team. Then the, then the reporter, his credential gets taken away from Jeter. Because of all that, I have to agree with the team. How about the other Jeter thing? He goes to David Sampson, yes. who, who ended up getting fired. He goes to Sampson yes. and asks him to fire legends like Andre <laughs> Dawson, Tony Perez, Jack McKee, you know, Gambler Jack with uh-huh. the cigar, the guy who won the title in 98. Yep. He was putting bullets in everybody. And the best way, the best thing. You got Dade County suing to recover some of their profits Ugh. from the sale of the team. It, it's just the whole thing is just, and I'm glad you pointed that BVI thing. Look, it's That's a crazy. It, it's a ten. It, it's dole it's dolen to another level. If yeah. I could give an eleven, <laughs> I'd give it. All right, on field failure. This one's a little difficult. They've had no success in 26 years, except for two good years. Right. They won the title both two years. Now, if you go through baseball. Not that I'm asking you to do this, Roberto. You have to trust in me that a vast majority of teams do not have two World Series. Or if they do, it might be over 100 years. Mm -hmm. They got two in 26 years. Now, after each World Series, they forcibly and immediately had embarrassing yard sales where they (laughs) sold players for nothing. Mm -hmm. David, I don't know what to do with this. On one hand, I'd love to give them a 10 for embarrassment, but that's not accurate. Mm -hmm. I can't give them a 1 or a 2. I almost feel like they should be a five because two World Series in a quarter of a century is still outpacing average. Right. A five, but due to the fire sales and the embarrassing nature of said fire sales, I would have to knock them below average and go to a four? Okay. You tell me. Wow. Um, Well, they don't have any division titles, um, but because of the fire sales, yeah, I think I have to agree with that four. I mean, they sat here and won two World Series, and then immediately, within three years of one of those teams, everybody was gone. The next year, after the 97 team, everyone that was gone. And it was embarrassing because the deals weren't even good. Right. They were straight financial dumps. They didn't fire sale. It's like the new Geico commercial with, well, how how did that chag get out here? And it's like, they were putting putting the players... (laughs) 
out, duct taped. Here, take it. Ten bucks, you got it. Oh. Yeah, I think they won ninety something games in ninety seven when they won the World Series. Won fifty four the next year. Yes. So because of that, they really had no shot to even repeat or go for it again. You know how players like to try to go for the repeat? They couldn't do it. You know, fun note, I had a disastrous fantasy baseball season a few years after that. Mm-hmm. I midstream changed my team name to 1998 Marlins. <laughs> we were such a fucking disaster. I was so embarrassed. I did. But no, I mean, David, here's the other thing. 26-year existence, only six seasons above 500. Yeah. I would go four because two World Series are inarguable, but there's shame associated with them. Do you agree with that? I will agree with that. Okay. Would you hold this against them, too, that the Marlins were the first team in MLB history to have a dance cheer team? Wow. Is that... A- <laughs> <laughs> Leave it to Roberto to bring up something that's got sex appeal to Why do you need a dance team in baseball, That's what I'm way. asking. I don't yeah, but that. I mean, then you're getting in the business of, like, do you hold it against Philadelphia for having the Philly fanatic? Right. Who looks like a complete jerk? <laughs> or, like, Paws, who's busy, like, no, belly bumping mascots. people? I love mascots. So mascots are acceptable cheer teams aren't? I think in baseball, it's just weird, right? I've never heard of that. They were the first, but I think there's more out there now. Let me ask you you a question. If you have a cheer team, but nobody comes out to see it, (laughs) do you have a cheer team at all? No, it's like a tree falls in the woods. Yes. It's a waste of money now. Right? Would, all right, so hold on. File it under off-field embar- embarrassment. Yep. We know the Loria-Jeter combo is Hall of Fame worthy. Yep. While Roberto's showing me the evidence of the cheer team <laughs> at the old uh, ballpark, which is where the Dolphins played. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, Looks like the waitstaff of a local bar. You know, I will tell you if you— Okay, all right, thank you. I will tell you, uh, for our local audience here in Detroit, a former Tiger, Justin Upton, he hit one of the longest home runs I have ever seen in that dog shit, empty, not a baseball <laughs> park. Roberto, I got to find this thing for you. It, he he destroyed this baseball and went upper deck. And I mean, there was not a human being on that side of the ballpark. <laughs> he hit the shit out of this ball like you wouldn't believe. Mm. It was one of the home runs where you went, well, I've never seen a ball go to that part of the park. Wow. And no one's there you, to get it. Now, Roberto will find it. I'm He'll, trying. <laughs> you know, it was when he was at the Arizona Diamondbacks. 2011. That sounds about oh. right. And if it's in Florida. And Against Marlins in 2011. In Marlins Park. And the game of the walk-off single. That's, no, not a single. Oh, no. no, this is a single. No, it's a home run. No, but find it on your own time. We got shit. <laughs> now, off-field embarrassment. Mm-hmm. Category three of the four pillars of futility. I would file a lot of the actions by ownership causing the team off-field embarrassment. You have the embarrassment firing legends. Mm -hmm. You have the embarrassment of not giving Dade County any of the money. The embarrassment of the stadium deal. I find the Marlins' complete existence, along with the fact that most of their games— you have more people in a homeless shelter than you do in their stadium. Mm-hmm. I would put the Marlins with off-field embarrassment. I don't want to dole out a 10 like candy, but David, you're going to have to convince me here. Well, I'm looking at attendance here when it comes to off-field, and you talk about the fans <laughs> not showing up. Well, that's Category 4. Category f- oh. Off-field embarrassment's number 3. We'll get to the fans in a minute. Okay, well then let me ask you this. Will the Mike Piazza situation become an off-field situation? Elaborate Be- for the people. Because Mike 
Mike Piazza was traded for the entire team <laughs> in 1998, but then eight days later, they begin, they didn't trade Mike Piazza to the Mets. I think, come on, that has to be an off-field embarrassment. The fact that you trade your entire team for a player eight days later, he's then gone again? That that seems like an off-field embarrassment All to right, me. All right, fine. Add it in. My point is, does it get high enough with off-field embarrassment? I think we need to reserve hmm. a 10, but I'd go a 9 for the Marlins from the stadium deal to the very public embarrassments that ownership has put them through to the 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 issues with fans. I, mm. I'd put the Marlins at a 9. I, I think the Marlins are an absolute disgrace, top to bottom, throughout their history. It's... Wow, now I really want to go a 10 because they really, Miami-Dade County is really in bad financial straits because I know, of everything. But I think we should save it. I mean, we're only on our second team of what's going to be like a 13-part series. I agree, and because of that. I'm going to be doing these, these friggin' organizational pods in right. 2023. You want to blow your wad. Yeah, a, t- a 10 <laughs> is value for a team that really deserves it, so I'll, I'll go 9. Let's I'll go, agree with you. We'll go 9 to be safe. Now, yes. the last one, and this is... This is tough. Are your fans assholes? (laughs) Now, look, we define this as a couple of things. Uh, uh, The most obvious answer is, you know, mouthy. You like to fight people. You're angry. You're an asshole. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That I can't say about Marlin fan. I think this fan base has been mistreated. But here's the other problem. And I'm sorry to our friends in Florida, because believe it or not, we do have download numbers in Florida. I think Florida is one of the worst states for professional sports in America. Mm-hmm. It is the most bandwagon, um, passionless, geriatric, garbage state in America. They only support the biggest of winners. Mm-hmm. They they have no passion. There's not a team there that people have passion for. Don't tell me the Dolphin fans are passionate. They're not. Heat fans, they're not. Right. Marlin fans, forget it. They built a new stadium and barely drew 20,000 people. You're right. In this sense, I almost believe that I could give this award out to the entire state of Florida for being a collective (laughs) asshole. I think Florida is a horrendous state, and Miami is a horrendous sports town, that even though the fans have been given no good reason to go, the fan support was so bad for so long, Mm -hmm. I almost kind of want a bizarro world give them a bad grade here. Talk through this with me. You know no, no points for like Pitbull, Gloria Estefan. <laughs> wait a minute, wait, people Mr. that make appearances. <laughs> okay, <laughs> can you can you research has has Mister Three Hundred Five done a performance yeah, like at a, a Marlins game? Oh my God, he's wearing white pants. Is that at a Marlins game <laughs> or at the oh stadium? My, oh my he's, God, he's there, right? Oh my God, no, that, that's the All Star game. Oh, see, but he's, there but he's you wearing go. the uniform. That's why he's there. But I tell you, those white pants are aggressive. Good for him. Um, I, I just, David, where do you go with this? See, look, I agree with you about the entire state of Florida. They didn't care about the Panthers. The Lightning only cared about when they won. You got the Bucks only cared about when they won. I hate Miami fans. No one goes to the Rays, but you're right. In Miami, they don't have a fan base overall. But I can't put the sins of the—I don't know. I but, mean, the sins of the other team, I can't but, put on the Marlins. But here's the thing. Can you blame the fans for being how they are when they their teams were sold off after winning championships? You don't— Get to, you don't even gain a fan base when you win a World Series and then the next year everything's completely different. You're right. So it's kind of hard for the fan base to stick around and stay in here when their team is completely different different after winning it and your owner 
They screwed your county over. You're paying hand over fist for things because of the bad ownership. He's convincing me. If they don't like the owner, they're (laughs) not going to show up to the games. You're, You're convincing me. I'm looking at the attendance. They are well below the NL average in every year but three in their existence. Okay, so how about this then? We could use this example again. Mm-hmm. If there are no fans, mm. then is there an asshole at all? Yeah. Like, I, if they never had a fan base, how can I ba- bag on a fan base that was never there to begin with? Right. I mean... You hated the owners all through the inception. Right. Public embarrassments. You know what? Okay. No fan base is is... Is guilt free, but David, do we just dole out a one? <laughs> I think we might have to give them a one. I really do. I don't think they've ever had the opportunity to become an ass. Right. I agree. That's fair. That's fair. It's it's in the embryonic stages. Twenty six years later. Yep. They've never been able to really uh, sow their oats. Their biggest attendance, ninety three. First year, of course, everyone's going to show it well over the NO average. Sure. And in twenty twelve, new stadium. They were still below the average, but they were just there. Everyone's showing up because of the excitement of one year, a new team, the excitement of a new stadium. And Other you, than that, they didn't care. And if you won a World Series but immediately had your guts ripped out. It's no fan base. You can't I, build it. I'm going to go with a one, which is probably the lowest possible score. Yep. That brings the Marlins. Now, last week, the New York Knicks had a 26.5 score. The Miami Marlins, the Florida Marlins. A 10 mm-hmm. for owner shithead index. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a 4 for on-field futility. Yep. A 9 for off-field embarrassment. Feeling like we may have overdone it there, but I don't care. I mm-hmm. hate the Marlins. And a 1 in a controversial debate as to if you can call a fan base assholes if there's no <laughs> fan base at all. Right. That brings the Marlins' total score on the worst organizations in sport to a 24 Overall, Nice. So the Knicks maintain number one overall. The Marlins are at number two. Hmm. Well, big power's at it again, leaving people in the dark. And you know the deal. Winter, snow, ice, winds, power outages. I mean, big power don't give a damn. They'll let you sit there and freeze your ass off. So what are you going to do about it? You go to Power Home Solar. That's what you do. You own your power. You don't rent it. Bottom line, Power Home Solar is the number one residential solar provider in the state. They're installing American-made panels, 30-year warranty, so you own your power. You don't just rent it from the power company. Guys, they're building a movement towards cleaner, greener energy. You want to see if solar's right for your home, go to PowerHome.com. That's PowerHome.com, or you give them a call, 1-800-SOLAR-15. Schedule your free solar consultation today. Don't rent your power. Own it with help from PowerHome Solar. I really, amongst things I dislike, inept bad franchises are at the top of the list. I, I, I think bad sports teams and bad owners, it's one of the most dishonest, disrespectful, reprehensible, uh, malfeasant actions uh, that exist on the planet. There's no excuse to be chronically awful for decade upon decade upon decade. And then when we find out the reasons you suck, it just generally pisses me off. So we wanted to create this list. Now, if you want to go back through past episodes and hear some of the other teams, you can and we have a scoring system that we do. So far, we've done the Knicks, the Marlins, the Wizards. Um, today, we're going to cover what I think is one of the grossest examples of it. It would be the Phoenix Suns. So I want to dive in. And, David, you did some great research on this. And 
look, you know the main focus for me would be the ownership, but we have four pillars of ineptitude. There's pillar number one is your owner is shithead. Uh, there's pillar two, the on-field suckitude. Uh, there's pillar three, are your fans assholes? And then there's, well, pillar four, which is the off-court embarrassment, the off-field embarrassment that your franchise incurs, and it just so happens Yesterday, the Phoenix Suns incurred it as Josh Jackson, another failed lottery pick, decided he was a VIP at Rolling Loud in Miami, except he wasn't a VIP. And yet he repeatedly tried to go into the VIP. He was then arrested, handcuffed, and decided, hey, I'm 6'8". No one will notice me running away handcuffed. He has now picked up a felony. He has picked up resisting arrest. Mm. I know. It's one thing if Roberto drunkenly, hey, boss, let me in the VIP. You're, <laughs> you're an NBA player. The story got out. It's off-court embarrassment. But, David, you want? I think we have to start with Robert Sarver. Fair? Yeah, sure. All right. So in your findings, what was the most, because you know I'm going to go off on this, mm-hmm. but what was the most surprising thing when you delved into Robert Sarver, who's one of the four worst owners in the sport? I think the most surprising thing was uh, something you texted me was about the goats. Oh, the goat incident. <laughs> oh, David. Did, yeah, Roberto's like turning white. As, no, it's not sexual. No. It's Robert Sarver decided it would be a funny prank to take a live goat and lock it inside of his embattled general manager's office. At that point, I believe it was uh, Ryan McDonough, mm-hmm. former Celtics assistant GM. Well, what do you think happens when a wild goat is trapped in an office all day? It's a boss move. <laughs> no, no. The goat pissed and shit everywhere. Exactly. In his general manager's office. That's the owner who thought that was funny. <laughs> yeah. Mind you, mind you, and if you go back, wasn't McDonough fired shortly afterwards? Yes, he was. Okay. That's what they're doing down in Phoenix. Yep. That's Here, like a Michael Scott, Todd Packer uh, yeah, it stunt is. from the office or something. <laughs> The other, I mean, Sarver purchased the team in 04. Now, he paid a record price for it, which is, it's amazing to hear it now, $400 million. I know. Now you get teams selling for $2 billion. Um, but in his time as owner since 04, how many head coaches do you think, Mike? Since 04? Um, five. Nine. Six. Wow. Nine coaches. <laughs> how many general managers? Three. Seven. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Seven. In Devin Booker's five-year career, mm. right? People question, is Devin Booker a winning player? How can you even begin to evaluate Devin Booker? Five coaches, five GMs, five years in the league. Yep. Robert Sarver is awful. The Suns haven't made the playoffs since 2009, and they have finished at or above 500 twice in that span. Now, mind you, this is a franchise that for its existence, 51 years has made the playoffs 29 times. The Phoenix Suns growing up were always a playoff team. Yes. Always. Kevin Johnson, Charles Barkley. Yes, and even before then, I mean, Tom Chambers. And and you had the the teams that extended into the 2000s. Yes, they were kind of ugly sometimes, but you had, you know, that Steve Nash revival, seven seconds or less. Yes. You know, you had great players. Amari Stoudemire. Yeah, oh, man, before Amari got hurt, unguardable. The point is... This team, this owner, he is notoriously cheap. Uh, in the fall of 2018, Sarver has threatened the city of Phoenix, which is a good basketball town. He has threatened them on separate occasions to take the team to Seattle, yep. to take the team to Vegas. 
the the Phoenix City Council then did the worst thing they could do. They gave this cheapskate money, gave him $230 million he was asking for to renovate the arena, and he got it. Now, one former player, David, this was a great anecdote you researched. One former player remembers Sarver barging into the locker room following a loss to instruct big men on how to set better screens. <laughs> this would be the equivalent of Roberto. It may as well have been Roberto barging into the Suns locker room. <laughs> you think Robert Sarver is the guy to deliver this scorched earth speech about setting better screens? That's, That's I, unbelievable. Right, but this is real life. Uh, also, uh, a former assistant talks about a story where Sarver confronted... Did Sully just yawn into the microphone? Did that just happen? That was Roberto. That wasn't me. <laughs> not on purpose. Yeah, wow. that was, I'm not going to take blame for that one. What a complete asshole. There's no cough buttons in here. Uh, you are an utter disgrace. A former assistant was floored when Sarver confronted the head. I can't even continue. Wait a second. Hold on. Just finish. No, no, it's time. Hold on. This is, this is important. Do you mean to tell me that the sports portion of this pod is so tough for you to oh, endure stop. that you yawned into the microphone for, for all the audience to delight in? No, this is great. I'm even looking at the uh, Phoenix Suns Wikipedia right now. Wow. Such I, deep research. I did not know that at one time partial owners were uh, singers. Andy Williams, Bobby Gentry. Of course he goes to that. Great. Uh, they were part Andy owners. Andy Williams, like the guy who sang It's the Most Wonderful Time of yeah, the Year? Yeah, he was a part owner. Holy shit, that song must have done better than I thought. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, the point is, outside of Roberto slipping into a coma and telling us <laughs> random Andy Williams stuff, uh, how about the assistant coaches? Halftime, he insisted, he walks in and insists they run a trap on an opposing point guard who had abused the Suns' defense. <laughs> January 2012, Sarver dressed down future Hall of Famer Grant Hill. David, this should anger you. It did us. Grant, your hero. Can you imagine the owner going in and lighting up Grant Hill, the ultimate gentleman, for allowing former son Vince Carter to go off for a quick 15 points? <laughs> You also have multiple instances of Robert Sarver baiting and screaming and heckling the opposition courtside. I will tell you this. I, David, in our series here, I think Sarver is probably on par with Dolan. Yes. If I had to go 0 to 10, and that's our scoring system, I'm giving Robert Sarver a 10 yep. wow. for being complete shit as an owner. Is that... Now, guys, am I overstepping here? You know I hate Sarver. He's yeah, threatened he, his he, fan base. Think of the, is there anyone worse? He's begged for public money. Mm-hmm. He's destroyed a good franchise. He is cheap. He is petulant. He is an egomaniac. I, he covers every base. I, to me, he's a 10. Yeah, I had no idea it was quite this bad either. That's why we do this. I, could, I can't do 10 just because you set the bar at 10. Okay. So I would say, like... Right. I would go nine and a half. So nine, how about, nine so and how half. about this? How about this, David? Let's give Sully a little bit of sprinkles, mm-hmm. right? The Sunday's made. What, what kind of sprinkles you like, Mike? You like the all chocolate ones? You like sure. the rainbow? Anything? What, yeah, what rainbow. What do you want rain- on your Sunday? Rainbow. All right. Sure. How about this? How do you fire a general manager three days before the season? Right. Fired Ryan McDonough. How do you fire a head coach like a three days into the season? <sighs> Mike, crazy. I, you want nine and a half? That's fine. On principle, yes. I, I agree. It's 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 ridiculous. David, where are you at? I would go 10. 
I mean, just alone, him on the sideline baiting the other team, going into the locker room to talk to the coaches and teach about screens, that's a 10. I mean, he's acting like he's a player, like he knows everything about basketball. Come on now. Well, it says here he is a CPA, so. Oh, so he knows how to set screens. Well, yeah, it says a certified public asshole. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, the goat incident we referenced earlier. Yeah, it was a practical joke, but Sarver thought it was an inspirational right. message that the sun should find a goat of their own, one who dominates. The goat shit and pissed all over McDonough's office. He was shortly right. going after. How is that a sign of we need a goat? Okay, so I'm going Sarver 10. Sully wants the 9.5. David wants a 10. Here, David, how about we go 9.75 just to complicate things? <laughs> yeah. David, write down 9.75. All right, on court ineptitude. Now, they used to be good, but never won a title. Had the Kevin Johnson, Charles Barkley era teams, made the finals, didn't win a title. Had the Nash teams, had some nice playoff runs, didn't win a title. 51 years, no title. 29 of them are playoff years. They have a 530 win percentage, but the last decade has been embarrassing. Can I give you some of the, like I always laugh, people knock tanking or they knock the process, and it's like, no, you don't get it. Like, if I give you 10 spins at the wheel, Mm -hmm. but you're an inept idiot, that's not the process that failed. That's (laughs) you being inept. Do you want to listen to some of these moves? A, they traded Isaiah Thomas to the Celtics Mm -hmm. for a song. Isaiah Thomas becomes an MVP caliber player with the Celtics. That's 2015. So that July, they decided to double down. They signed Tyson Chandler. And you go, oh, well, Tyson Chandler didn't have a bad career. No, no, they didn't sign Tyson Chandler because they wanted him. They did it to entice LaMarcus Aldridge to sign with Phoenix. Three days later, Aldridge signs with the Spurs. (laughs) You're now stuck with a big money contract in Tyson Chandler. Unbelievable. Okay. Now, Marcus Morris. They had both Morris twins, Markeith and Marcus. They trade him to the Pistons. They botched the relationship with Markeith after trading his twin brother to the Pistons. The trade of Marcus gave Phoenix the requisite cap space to chase LaMarcus Aldridge. <laughs> they didn't get LaMarcus Aldridge. You alienated two of your better players and signed a third guy just to get the guy. Mm-hmm. The guy didn't show up. He signed with the Spurs. They then follow it up. In February of that year, and traded the other Morris twin who was so disgruntled and so bitter about how things were handled, they traded Markeith to Washington for the dead bodies of Chris Humphreys, Dewan Blair, and a first-round pick that was later traded to the Kings (laughs) in a package to move up for some guy named Marquise Chris. (laughs) The problem is, Marquise Chris was taken like number seven overall. Mm Mm-hmm. But he was awful. 2017, things get so bad. Oh, wait, October 22nd, like three days into the season, they fire Earl Watson, their head coach. A day later, they send their starting point guard home. This name will sound familiar. He's now a star and just got a $70 million contract with the Bucks. Eric Bledsoe sent home. Bledsoe tweeted in the afternoon simply, I don't want to be here, close (laughs) quote. That's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Now, as often as I've thought about just saying that on the air, oh, wait, I have, for Eric Bledsoe to go out on Twitter and say straight up, (laughs) 
I don't need how many characters are allowed now. Screw it. Keep all of them. Right? Yeah. Here's 13. I don't want to be here. Well, he wasn't. He was sent home. A um, couple of other things. And, and I, I look draft history. Like off. Think about these decisions. Now, I don't know how far you want to go back, David. I mean, they draft Kendall Marshall, 13th overall in 2012. Mm-hmm. Who? They draft Alex Len, 5th overall in 13. Who? Mm. T.J. Warren, 14th. I mean, he's... Nah, I ain't going to make the case. They had another first-round pick at 18 with Tyler Ennis. They had Bogdan Bogdanovich at 27. That's the best player they drafted. They traded him that day. (laughs) Right. Devin Booker, good. Everything after, bad. How about Dragon Bender, number four overall? I mean, Scalabissier, traded on draft day. Mm. Uh, Josh Jackson, four overall, total bum. DeAndre Ayton instead of Luka Doncic, instead of Trey Young when you need a point guard. Mm -hmm. Why? Oh, wait. Robert Sarver went to school where? Yep. Arizona. Arizona's University Heart Cardiac Center is named? Oh, that's right. The Sarver Cardiac Institute. Mm Where did DeAndre Ayton go to school? Arizona. This franchise off-court failure the last 10 years to me is a 10. The first 41 years of the franchise, I would put their off-court failure very low. But I think the last decade has been so bad. It's been so offensive. It's been so bullshit. I would have to give them recency bias admitted. I'd have to give them a a six and a half or seven. I know they had 40 years where they were at least solid, good fan support, great players. You've turned. It's so ridiculous. I I just, I I go six and a half or seven. Well, the Eric Bledsoe stuff was so egregious with how that whole thing was handled. The draft picks, yeah, you look at it right here as we just broke it down. It's, 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 you're not hitting on any draft picks. I would say seven and a half. All right, David, where are you at? I would agree with Sully with the seven and a half. All right, go seven and a half. Write yeah. it down. Lock and load. All right, issue number three, the off-court embarrassment. Uh, Bledsoe, I don't want to be here. The Morris twins, the controversy, mm-hmm. awful. Um, Josh Jackson yesterday, rolling loud. I think it has to be a part of it. Putting a goat in your GM's office and it pisses and shits everywhere. Having your owner threaten to take the team away only to put a, a social media video out there to lie to people saying, oh, I never talked about leaving, mm-hmm. maybe just leaving the city of Phoenix for a suburb. Oh, how about the city council where Robert Sarver got straight up Dracarius, Game of Thrones reference, <laughs> by a 98-year-old lady or whatever she was? Go look at that YouTube yeah. clip. City meeting, and you've got old ladies dropping bombs on you. <laughs> The off-court embarrassment to me, the Phoenix Suns, here's the other thing. I don't know if people here care because obviously we live in Detroit. Phoenix and the greater Phoenix area are one of the – it's one of the best places in America to live. I love it. I think it's a fabulous part of the country. The weather's amazing. I think it's a cool series of towns, and whether it's Scottsdale, Mm -hmm. it's Chandler, it's Mesa, it's it's certainly Phoenix proper, you know, uh, whatever – Dude, you've turned a place that should be a free agent destination, and you have made it persona non grata. You have made it a place where nobody will take your money. Yep. I mean, that level of off-court embarrassment, I mean it. I I, I would put them at—I would, again, I would put them at a solid eight or a nine. I'm trying to maintain balance because at one point, it was a kick-ass place to play, and they always had really good players, and they always were interesting. But I'll be damned if you get to have arguably the worst decade of, of embarrassment 
you basically are the process minus any form of ability. You're the process without bearing any legitimate fruit. I mean, go ahead. Recency bias admitted. I'd say seven and a half or eight. David, go ahead. I was going to say nine because of number of coaches. Nine coaches in 15 years. That has to be part of all field Seven GMs in 15 years. And by the way, you just named James freaking Jones your mm-hmm. general manager. Are you kidding me? He was LeBron's caddy for 20 years. Yep. That James Jones. David wants a nine. I'd go seven. Sully split it. What do you want to do? Yeah, I would be right in that range again of seven and a half or eight, kind of in the middle. So Let's that meet in the middle and go eight. I'm fine with it. This week we bring you one of my favorites, the Washington Wizards. Now, on surface, you don't think about them, and that's the biggest problem. When you have the geographic advantage of playing in Washington, D.C., just like New York or Boston or Chicago or L.A., etc., that is supposed to help you. And the Wizards, it has never helped. And there are some factoids in here, including one of the most damning that you'll hear during our ongoing series, the Chronicles of Lousy Teams. But I'm going to save it. Our four categories, in case you haven't listened. Uh, Owner is a shithead index. On-field suckitude. Off-field embarrassments. And the intolerable level of the fan base, i.e., are your fans assholes. So here we go. I want to start out with, well, what used to be the Polans, but now is Ted Leonsis. Now, you're dealing with two different levels here. The Polans bought the team and moved them to D.C. Construction magnates, if you will. Um, Realized that the Capitol Center was dated. They had always wanted to build an arena in downtown D.C. They decided to build the -the state-of-the-art MCI Center. It broke ground in 95 privately financed by the Polans. That is a plus. So when I go into ownership, I am going to factor in the Polans' time along with Leonsis' time. Privately financed arena. Not publicly. You get a plus one. But Leonsis is the big feature for me. He is awful, Uh, including many times going to the media, and complaining and whining about how they're at a disadvantage, uh, that they're playing in a building that costs more than other teams. Uh, the Verizon Center deal he called the worst building deal in pro sports. Leonsis pays $36 million in mortgage annually on the Verizon Center. Wah, not my problem. Now, the Wizards' value, he acquired them for five fifty. They are currently estimated at $1.3 billion. You think anybody wants to listen to you cry? Like, is there anything worse than a, than an owner who cries about money? Seriously. It just honestly. comes across as so unrelatable. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not saying your building deal is great. I'm not saying it's it's the best in the world. But when you have made $800 million, do you think anyone cares you got to pay $36 mil a year? Come on. What, what, what are we doing here? Now, Leonsis' biggest crime to me is Ernie Grunfeld. Ernie Grunfeld has been the GM of the Wizards before Ted Leonsis, all through the Leonsis tenure. I'm convinced Ernie Grunfeld will be there after Leonsis dies. I'm, I, I'm convinced Ernie Grunfeld will be running the Wizards from the grave. He's already run them into the ground. But Grunfeld's 15-year tenure is absolutely 
mind-boggling. Yeah, it is. I mean, D- David, think about this. It, it, and you do a lot of the research for these, and I, I help you with it. But most GMs don't survive one failed rebuild. <laughs> Grunfeld's on his third. Remember, he he dates all the way back to putting together the Agent Zero, Gilbert Arenas, mm-hmm. Anton Jameson teams. Karan Butler. Do you realize that Ernie Grunfeld gave Anton Jameson a max extension at yeah. age like 33? Mm-hmm. That was Grunfeld. Those were Grunfeld's teams that had guns in the locker room, the Javaris Crittenden disaster, right? He then tries to rebuild them again. John Wall and Otto Porter. and did, Didn't they trade the number five pick in the draft for like Randy Foy or some, yes. something totally absurd? Yep. Okay, so Grunfeld, two failed rebuilds. He is now on his third after signing the single worst contract in the history of pro basketball. I'm not kidding you. This John Wall extension that they signed, this is before John Wall got hurt. It was the worst deal in basketball. Mm -hmm. They're going to end up paying John Wall over $40 million a year. Now John Wall blows Achilles out. You, You had them go out, and they took Otto Porter, and they traded him for... Junk. Mm-hmm. Like, Ernie Grunfeld is one of the worst general managers in the league. It's it's not, it's an inarguable fact. What like, I found interesting is that he's been there so long. He's the second longest tenured GM in their history. Yes. Bob Ferry was there before he's the longest one. He won a title for them in 78. Well, so that's understandable that he will be there long. Well, here, and this is where we're going to bring in the facts, mm-hmm. right? This is how terrible they are. So he's been there for 15 years. He's made the playoffs eight times. You go, wow, that's that's not bad. How about this? The Washington franchise has never won 50 games in a season. <laughs> Ever. Never have so much as won 50 games in a season. You want to talk treadmill of mediocrity? You got it. Now look, Leonsis, you know what I think of him. We got to do an on-field score for him. Then you go with, with the, the on-court stuff. Never won 50 games. Mm-hmm. Haven't won, what, won a championship 74-75 with Wes Unsell. That yep. doesn't even count in my world. And when you look at them, you want to talk the, the, the treadmill of mediocrity. Look at the Wizards as an organization on the court. You allowed Michael Jordan to run your team. That's problem A1. B, you drafted Kwame Brown. All right, now we're off to a real terrible start. Have you had embarrassing draft picks? Have you gone out and really screwed things up? Yeah. How about these signings? And, David, this is a great job by you. You signed Jason Smith to a three-year, $16 million deal. (laughs) The average person listening to this doesn't even know who Jason Smith is. (laughs) Center, Colorado State, who people thought could shoot threes but really can't. Yep. They traded a second-round pick for Trey Burke, no longer with the team. They re-signed Marcus Thornton. I don't even know if he's in basketball. No, he's not. They signed Andrew Nicholson to a four-year, $26 million deal. Nobody knows who Andrew Nicholson is. Jan Mahimi, one of the worst deals in the league. He doesn't even play for the team. Four years, $64 million bucks. The John Wall extension. The Otto Porter. How about Otto Porter? Otto Porter gets this poison pill offer sheet from the Brooklyn Nets, if memory serves me right. Yes. All Washington had to do is say, we're out. See you later. What does Washington do? They match couple years later, they're giving him away. It's never winning 50 games. I almost get more angry at teams that reside in the middle, that have geographical advantages, and that don't get it done. 
I'm I'm going to end up when we go back through this giving them a very high score for the futility index on court uh, attendance. How about this? You're in the nation's capital, and I know DC's not as sexy as New York or LA or Miami, but you're in the nation's capital. You're in DC. How about the Wizards have not been higher than 21st in attendance in almost a decade. And in many of those years, 27th, 24th, 23rd, you're talking a team that has no excuses, got a downtown arena in the nation's capital. That's completely embarrassing. You're talking about a team that's been bypassed by the hockey team in their city, which is only acceptable for cities with less than four sports or an original six city. Do we all agree on that? Oh, yeah. Okay. So you're talking on court a total disaster, and they have failed. To be above the 90% seat sold mark since Wall joined the team. I mean, that's mm. utterly remarkable. Off-court embarrassment. Does it get any more embarrassing than a player bringing a gun into the locker room? Or a fight on the team playing over a card game? Or a player who used to be in your employ, I believe, going to jail for murder? Yes. Javaris so. Crittenton. Yep. I think the Wizards may have the highest off-court embarrassment score that we've had yet. So, let's go back through these, and then we'll end on the fan base. Let's start out ownership. I want to at least mildly consider hmm. the Polans did the best they could, and they privately financed an arena. I, I, Leonsis has only owned it for eight years, so I can't put 50 years or 20 years on him, but... I will tell you that keeping Ernie Grunfeld employed on a scale of 1 to 10 on the owner lousy index. <sighs> David, I, I'm saying Ernie Grunfeld employment. I'm saying bitching about the stadium. And I'm saying th the moves that you've signed off on, I'd put Leonsis at an 8. Whew. Even factoring in the goodwill the Polans had within the NBA, I'm, I'm putting the Wizards... Is your owner a shithead index? I think Leon's is solid eight. Can we compromise at a six? No, <laughs> I think that's fair. Four, four and an eight, just meet in the middle, right? But I no, but 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 then you're suggesting that he's not terrible. No, Ted Leonsis is terrible. Now it has to reside somewhere north of six and a half. Terrible is seven through ten. If you want to tell me he's the least of the terrible owners in the sport, fine. He's not Dolan. But he's he. I'm I'm standing firm at a second. I, I just I just think that he hasn't done as bad of a job as James Dolan has comparing. But we're not franchises right. Here. But my point is Dolan's a ten. <sighs> David, come on now, think straight. You're telling. All right, now how about this? If you want to make a more credible case, and I meet you at a six and a half, you mm. tell me Leonsis has only owned the team for eight years, nine years. Maybe that's the best credibility you got. And his team has made the playoffs some of the years. I'll go to a six and a half, last best and final offer. <laughs> okay, six and a half it is. All right, six and a half ownership score. Let's go to on-court ineptitude. Franchise has been around for, Jesus, 50-some-odd years, whatever it is. 58 years. 58 years, they have never won 50 games. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's an embarrassment. Mm -hmm. I would argue being in the middle for all those years, and then the times you've been bad, you've done nothing with the pick— I can't say that they're average. I can't say that they're terrible. I kind of feel like we're in a gray area with Washington where on-field ineptitude should probably be somewhere in the six range. 
You've never won 50 games, but you make the playoffs enough to make people believe you're not total dog shit, but you don't do anything when you're there. You're never one of the best teams. You go through all these rebuilds only to end up horrifyingly mediocre. I, I will go at a six. I can't go higher, and I certainly can't go lower. I'll listen to arguments. I would say it's even a little worse than a six slightly, just because it's... I think it's it's worse to be in that middle ground where you don't have a direction. And this is something we've talked about a lot, but when you don't have a direction to either go one way or the other, trying to fully rebuild, tank, or, or where you're at a team where you're a title team, just to be in the middle and not do anything is... I think worse than and being just And keep the same GM around for 15 seasons who has proven multiple times he can't get you to a better spot. Uh, I'll say six. Sully, where are you at number-wise? I would bump it up to right around a seven. Probably. Okay, David, where are you? Let's try to come to a consensus. I feel crazy. I'll go with a seven. I was thinking eight. Oh, my just God. Just because no. it's the NBA. Let's go off-field embarrassment. Off-court embarrassment, I'd go ten. Jordan, embarrassment. Kwame Brown's birth and the fact that he wore your jersey, embarrassment. (laughs) The fact that your franchise at one point wore teal or turquoise, embarrassment. The fact that you had a cool nickname, and I understand the reasons behind changing it. Let's not go there today. But you were the Washington Bullets. That was cool. It rolled off the tongue. The Washington Wizards? The Wizards? There are no Wizards in Washington. And even if there were, I wouldn't use it as my damn nickname. I think it's terrible. Nobody wants to see a Wizard. I will put the the Wizards at a 10 for off-field embarrassment based on uniforms, logo, team name, killing people, guns, just all of it. I will go a hard 10 on this one. I don't Mm. think you can be more embarrassing. I would have to agree with the 10. I would, just because of the Gilbert Arenas thing alone. I mean, come on now. A gun over a card game. I mean, I know it's 2008 when it happened, but you have to know the history of why they changed the name in the first place, and then you do that. Well, come on ex- now. Exactly, and I don't want to go down the other road. I, I mean, I would be in the nine, somewhere in the nine range. Okay, so you want David, he's right. We don't want to make them the most embarrassing franchise ever. We haven't gotten to the Islanders yet. Right, do you <laughs> exactly. Want, do you want to make it a nine? Yeah, I think that's I'm fine. I'm comfortable I'm with fair a nine. With that. Now, the last one is difficult. Are your fans assholes? I've never heard a bad word about Wizard or Bullet fans. No. Now, we have to go all the way back to the 80s where they had the professional heckler whose name escapes me who used to wear the glasses and yell at people. That guy was definitely an asshole. Robin Ficker, a a staple of the 1980s. And an attorney, a real estate broker, and a political activist. And a complete asshole. Who goes to these games and heckles. Well, used to. I don't even know if he's still alive. The point is... That has to be taken into account because when you have a professional heckler in your fan base, it's a a scarlet letter for you to wear. But here's the problem. I can't blame Wizard fans for not showing up. Mm -hmm. It's a product that's horrifyingly mediocre. It's a product that when they believe, they get disappointed. And when they don't believe, they still end up, you guessed it, disappointed. I would put the fan base at about a four. I would I would be three or four, I think. Why don't yeah. we compromise three and a half? I'm not passionate about the stance on four. And a three and a half would take them to a total futility index score. Correct me if I am wrong. Leonsis ownership, six and a half. Mm-hmm. Encore futility, seven. We then ended up with a blistering nine of off-court embarrassment to land at what? 22.5 and a fan score of four. Gives us a 26.5. Where would that land on our 
Index of the worst franchises in sports. Previous editions were the Knicks and Marlins. David. 26.5 put them at a tie with the Knicks first. The worst franchise. Marlins come in at? Marlins are last. They are 24. Well, we only have three teams, But I'm saying. Let's let's calm down. I mean. All right. All right. Thanks for listening as always. Please, for the love of God, get out there. Download. Subscribe. Rate it. Review it. Do whatever you like. But we appreciate you listening either way. Take care. We'll have another episode for you next week.